Hey, Nothing is Wasted family, I wanted to interrupt this conversation for a brief moment to let you know about a powerful resource that we have available for you. It's called the Pain to Purpose course. Now, I know many of you guys have heard of this, but in case you're new and you haven't heard of this, I wanted to make sure that you were in the know about this. Now, listen, if you were to ask me this one question, Davey, what's the most important Nothing is Wasted resource that I should engage with? I would tell you, hands down, the Pain to Purpose course is it. Thousands of people now have found tremendous healing and breakthrough in their valley by walking through this course. Now, it's emotionally and spiritually intense, but I promise you it's well worth it. The Pain to Purpose course is an 11-video online course where I'll help you do four major things. Okay, the first one is this. I'll help you remove the debris of crisis in your life. So like trauma, tragedy, major life transition. The second thing is I'll guide you through the steps of repairing the emotional, relational, and spiritual broken pieces that were left in the wake of your trauma. Third, I'm going to lay out for you how to reestablish a firm foundation for a healthy and whole life. And then finally, I'll help you discover and step into the missional and redemptive purposes God has for you out of your trauma. Over the past several years of hosting this podcast, I've noticed some things. No one's pain journey is the same. However, there are some common denominators that every pain to purpose story shares. And there are some common things that everyone who goes from tragedy to triumph have to do. So my team and I took those common denominators and we distilled them into an 11 video curriculum to give you the handles, or as we call them, waypoints that you'll need in order to walk through your unique pain journey. This course is essentially an entire year's worth of counseling condensed into 11 videos and the fraction of the cost of counseling. I believe counseling is, is very important to your healing journey. If the Pain to Purpose course had existed back when I lost my wife in 2015, I still would have sought counseling, but I wouldn't have had to have spent so much time or money with that counselor because I would have been light years ahead of things just from taking the Pain to Purpose course. So I'd love to invite you to begin accessing the course today. You can go to course.nothingiswasted.com to do that. Again, that's course.nothingiswasted.com. And as a little bonus, I convinced my team to let me give you a discount. So right now for a limited time, you can get $25 off the purchase of the course by using the promo code podcast at checkout. So again, that, that promo code is podcast. Maybe the course isn't something that you need right now, but we do have an option to purchase it as a gift for someone in your life who does need it right now. So just make sure you select the gift certificate option while you're purchasing that. So again, that's course.nothingiswasted.com and use the code podcast to get $25 off. Now back to this conversation. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Davey Blackburn. 
And I'm one of your other host, Aubrey Sampson. We're so glad that you're with us for another incredible conversation. We are so glad that you're with us. And wherever you're joining us from, whether you're watching this on YouTube, whether you're listening to this on one of your podcast platforms you listen to this on, we want to say thank you for being here. We know that you could be listening to or watching a number of different resources. As much content as there is out there, we're yes. saturated and inundated by it. Thank you for tuning in with us. We're hoping that this conversation provides you a lot of hope and healing. That's what our mm. aim is. Yep, yep. Um, Davey, I know we're, we're, I'm kind of jumping the gun here, but I want to I want to introduce our guest for yeah. today because she's amazing. But I also want to read a review because I just read it and it was really, really powerful. So what, yeah. should, what should we do first? Okay, we'll introduce our guest and then we'll read the review. That sounds perfect. Let's do it. All right, so today we are joined by Rachel Faulkner-Brown. And okay, this incredible woman has, first of all, she's lost two husbands. That's a spoiler alert, but you're going to hear her story. Both tragically, both in instance. Mm -hmm. And what I love about her is she has so much joy that she describes herself as just like, I love being married. So I got married again. Now that doesn't mean she hasn't walked through pain and trauma and healing, but it shows you the kind of um, resilience. That's the word I was looking for, the resilience. And faith. Yeah. Because it's very yeah. easy when, I mean, I find myself doing this too. I just had to confess this recently to Christy that there are moments that I get in self-preservation mode. Mm, totally. Even in interacting with her because I'm, you know, like I can close certain parts of myself off because oh, I'm so afraid. Yes. Ultimately, when yes. you boil down to it, I'm afraid of, of, of loving deeply and losing mm. again. Mm. Yeah. So for Rachel to have lost twice and still put herself out there. I mean, that's yeah. that's the gospel right there. That's That is. That's an open heart. That's an open heart that only the Lord can can do, yes. right? O- open someone's heart in that way. Yeah. Expand their heart that way that they're willing to risk again right. ultimately, right. right? You're right. It's faith. Yeah. And you know, um we have had several guests who have been not only, you know, impacted by her ministry but are very tied into the ministry that Rachel Faulkner Brown has helped to found. She she That's founded awesome. Be Still Ministries and one of the main anchors of that ministry is the Never Alone Widow Retreats. Wow. And they are these retreats are unbelievable. I mean it's kind mm. of it's honestly where we have taken, you know, Daniel Brooker heads up Refuge Widowers and I'm yep. very much a part of that as one of the presenters there with him. His whole yep. team handles it, but they are kind of stitched into nothing is wasted and we provide pain to purpose for for them when we do that. So every November we're doing the Refuge Widower Retreats. Well, a lot of the inspiration and best practices that Daniel has received is from the Never Alone Widows Retreats. Mm, And that's because his wife, Brittany, who was a widow. She's been on the show. She's been on the show. They've done multiple things with us, bonus episodes, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. They, um, she is very much a part of those Never Alone Widow Retreats. And so not only Brittany Brooker, but you also have Kayla Steckline, who's been a part of mm-hmm. those retreats, Kelly Campbell. Kelly Campbell, good, good now. And Ginger yep. Ravella. And so I've been wanting to have a conversation with Rachel for a long time because I've seen the ripple effect of the Amazing. what God has done in her story. And I'm like, yeah. I keep hearing about her. I want to talk to this woman because yeah. I just want to... Just be and in her like, presence. She's totally you know? <laughs> impacting. Nothing is wasted. Yeah. So that's um, oh, I love. I, that. I love that you finally got to sit down and talk with her. Okay, so we're gonna jump into her, your conversation, but let me read okay. this review, Davy. Um, this was over at Apple Podcasts. This is a five star review, which we always appreciate. Thank you. It says this: so thankful to have found this podcast. I'm currently walking through the darkest season of my life with my 20 year marriage having ended in an unwanted divorce. Mm. 
the Lord has used this podcast to continually encourage me and give me hope. Hearing stories of redemption and healing is so life-giving. I can't recommend this podcast enough. Even through the episodes that you think you won't connect with because the stories are so different from your own, there is always something I take away. I'm going to interrupt here. This is me interjecting. People say that a lot yeah. about this podcast. I, I think that's such a gift that mm-hmm. God does. And then this person goes on to say, pain truly is the common denominator in life. And I love hearing how God turns people's pain into purpose. Wow. Incredible. Wow. Man, that's awesome. That fills us with so much yeah. encouragement. Yeah. I mean, I can't understate that. That is, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We'd love to invite the rest of you. If this uh, podcast means something to you, be sure to go to Apple Podcasts and write a review, subscribe. That gives us good information and helps this podcast get into the hands and ears of more and more people. All right. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and take a listen to Davy's conversation with Rachel Faulkner Brown. Well, Rachel Faulkner Brown, this is a long time coming. (laughs) (laughs) How many times have I said your name and never met you? It's crazy. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I was just thinking about this. I was like, man, there are so many people that that roll in our, you know, our circles, right? Like the retreats that you do and what we're doing. (laughs) And then obviously there's that common connector of like Daniel and Brittany Brooker. But there's so many people that would be shocked to know that this is our first time to actually meet each other. I know proximity has not been our friend, but it's okay. Today's the day. Today's the day. And I'm so excited about this because I get to hear the fullness of your story and all of our community gets to hear it as well and uh, how God's been showing up in your life and in your story. So do this. Give us just a little snapshot of who you are, what you do, and then we're going to draw back and man, you've got quite a journey. We're going to take that journey with you. Yeah. Well, I'm a wife and a mom, first of all. My two kids are are 15 and 17, which I cannot believe because it feels like yesterday they were four and six. And um, But I run Beastel Ministries here in Atlanta, which is just a women's ministry to equip and empower women to know how loved they are and to know that heaven starts today and we don't wait for the sweet by and by that we can actually experience heaven here. And it's so fun. I never work. I mean, I love, love, love what I do. <laughs> wow. And we have a podcast too called There's More. And then the Widows, Never Alone Widows is our outreach ministry, which, yeah. you know, is is big reach, not just it, it <laughs> it's is. Not little it reach, is. it's big reach. And then we have 50 groups across the country called Never Alone Locals. And um, that just happened within the last year. So it's like, exponential growth. But yeah, yeah, God is just, he's on the move, David. He's coming after his people. He is like, you know, I want your heart to be healed and he's using you and and us to help get that message out. I mean, we're just advancing the kingdom one girl at a time. And, um, and every, every woman has a story and Mm. she's, being invited into a, a journey, a sacred journey, and yeah. it, but she doesn't know that. And so we're just kind of sounding the alarm <laughs> mm. over here in Atlanta. Yeah, so. that's so true. I love the way you put yeah. that. Everyone, every woman that you're working with, everyone in general is being invited into a sacred story. What tends to interrupt that story yeah. is the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right, that we live yeah. in this fallen and broken world, and so pain, loss, grief, trauma 
tends to cause us to get so overwhelmed in our heartache that we can't see the redemptive nature of what God wants to do out of that. Yeah, and, yeah. And that's what you guys are, you guys are intercepting folks in that space they and are. pointing them to yeah. the other ha- half of that John 10, 10, right? Thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may oh, yeah. have life and have it to the full. Well, and, you know, everybody's talking about identity, but if you don't know how good God is, you're going to miss your identity every time. And so we try and kind of pull back the curtain on who he is and get that right. Because if you get who he is and and his goodness right, it's going to be much easier to see who you really are. And so we think identity, obviously, that is the end all be all. But if you don't know how good God is and you think that he's punishing you, you're never going to be able to walk out in your purpose. Yeah. And and he's not punishing you. He did that to his son, so he didn't have to do that to you. Mm. And so, you know, it's powerful stuff. Who he is and who you are in light of that to me is is the crux of it all. Right. And what got you in front of me is probably because your husband died or you're walking in shame or you've got some kind of pain or you're just looking for a new Bible study. <laughs> right. But um, but I just, you know, our heart is to reveal the Father. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, I, I wonder if you maybe can speak into this before we even dive into your story, but I'm you're working with women all over the yeah. world, really. And mm-hmm. and you see the trajectory of, I mean, kind of two different directions that women will go when crisis hits their life. You yeah. probably see the one that they really struggle to reconcile this with God, right? Which we all do in those, I mean, Job is 40 chapters oh. long where Job is trying to reconcile this, right? But <laughs> Some people, some people never really do because they look through the lens of, yeah. well, God must be withholding. He must be angry with me. He must not love me. He must not, right? And so they see it through that lens. Yeah. And then you see the others who, and God's doing some wonderful, powerful things in and through their lives because they're looking at yeah. it through a different lens. Do you, like, do you find that that's kind of the critical juncture of it all right there? Yeah. I mean, if you have Father God wrong, and usually it's because your past, before you landed in front of me, a lot of times before you landed at a retreat, something happened in your past that caused you to shift into, he must not love me. Mm. And if you do not understand how much he loves you and how much he cares for you and how much, um, what covenant you're in, that's a really big thing for me. Mm. If you don't know that you're in a new covenant and you still think you're living out of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you don't realize that you're a new creation and that you actually died when Jesus was put in the ground. You died when you accepted him and then you were resurrected into a new creation life. If you don't know that, Davey, I mean, that's that's my heart is for women to like get a hold of the new creation because it's a different kind of life. Union is a different kind of life. Um, And a lot of people are like, I'm just going to get close. No, you are like united with Christ. I mean, it's like, read the word. If you are united with Christ, I can't separate out the baking powder from the cake. Wow. Like when you're in the cake, you're in the cake. You're in it. We're in it to win it. My hands are Jesus's hands. And so it says you have the mind of Christ. Well, how many of us really believe that? If we really believe that, I mean, we wouldn't have to work so hard to renew our mind. We'd be like, I have the mind of Christ. I'm going to live that out. And so it's just a, 
it's a different set. It's a, every, everyone comes on the retreat and they're like, y'all talk different. I'm like, because we believe in union. <laughs> because we're different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. because I, I think the church and religion has sold yeah. people a line that it's up to us. That's right. And, and we're trying to help people to see that he did it. He did it all. And, and I know we can say that, Davey. Almost probably all of your listeners could say that. He did it all so that we could receive. But are you? Re- do you really believe that? Have you had an encounter with Jesus where you're like, I saw him. I used my divine imagination. I saw Jesus give me his heart. I mean, I just led a lady to Christ this week and she just could not believe that she was enough for God. And and I took her through this activation where I basically said, can you take out your heart? And I said, look at it. And she was like, it's dark and dirty and it's black. And I said, okay, now Jesus, will you give her your heart? And she could Mm -hmm. see him in her mind's eye. And she literally got a heart transplant. And I think that's the thing. It's like we walked an aisle, we said yes to God, but we didn't have an encounter where we saw him, where we saw him love us, where we experienced comfort. And it's different. It's different. It It is. And that's the that's the beauty of the God that we serve. He's a living God. He is right, and and this is not this is something where you know we've we we heard Terry War, or Terry Wardle say this one time on our podcast that's just stuck with me, and that is yeah. that an emotionally laden trauma has to have an emotionally laden experience in order to heal that trauma, yeah. and that that is yeah. what the Holy Spirit provides for us an encounter with the living God that is an emotionally laden experience. It's not yeah. just cerebral. It's not just head knowledge. It's like yeah. an experience. Yeah. It really convinces us, mm-hmm. right? Convinces mm-hmm. us down to the core of who yeah. God is and so therefore who we are and that we are His yeah. creation, loved, chosen, cared for, and protected. Yeah. Well, and Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Mm. He didn't say, I only do what I hear the Father tell me to do. He said, I only can do what I see the Father doing. So I think he got his marching orders every morning. He saw himself doing Mm. things and and the people that he was going to meet. And for some reason, we've made that weird. And we haven't taught our children how to interact with God in their imagination. We're like, you know, they're all about imagination. Right, right. And yet we're not teaching them how to see Jesus. The chosen has helped a lot because we see a man who's funny, who smiles a ton, who's delightful, emotionally intelligent, (laughs) not angry, (laughs) you know? And so I think the chosen has helped us visualize, oh, that's what he's like. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, I I can't believe I get to do what I get to do, you know? I love it. It's amazing. I love it. Well, you know, of course, our mantra pain to purpose. You're living out of yeah. purpose right now. It's gone, but you've gone through quite a bit of pain. And, yeah. you know, one of my heroes of the faith is Elizabeth Elliot. I feel like <laughs> in many ways, I'm sure that has to be one of yours too, but in many ways, yeah, for sure. you have lived out a story like Elizabeth Elliot. You're mm-hmm. continuing to live that out. Um, why don't you go back and just tell us a little bit about your story. And then I'd sure. like to talk about some areas where God showed up in a very, just like we're talking about, in a very real way. Yeah. Because I'm sure that infuses and informs now what what you do to help other people encounter the living God. So tell us your story oh, for and, sure. and we'll take some uh, rabbit trails as we, <laughs> as we go. I love it. Yeah, I, um, you know, my story started, I was, a col- I married my college sweetheart, just had a dreamy existence, went to college, um, married him the weekend after I graduated. We were um, 
you know, living in Tuscaloosa, moved back to Florence, Alabama, where I'm from, and we're working for um, a pharmaceutical company, both of us, calling on kind of the same doctors. I mean, we had just this amazing life, starting to talk about family and having babies and all the things that you do when you're 23 years old and 27 years old. And he went to play a game of pickup basketball and had a massive aneurysm in my best friend's driveway. And he you know, basically stiffened up, fell back on the concrete, and it severed his spinal cord, which stopped his heart, which ultimately I came at it thinking my dear friend had called and she said, hey, I think Todd's broke his leg. I want you to come over and you know, we're going to figure this out. One of our doctors who we called on was there working with him and doing CPR. And so when I got there, what I thought was a broken leg was, you know, a doctor doing CPR. And I was like, wait, 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 you know, like you're, you're just so confused, but that every one of your listeners has felt this, but that pit in the bottom of your stomach, the solar plexus, where you're just like, something is so wrong. But I had honestly, Davey, I had no idea Mm. that he wasn't going to make it. And we get to the hospital and hundreds and hundreds of people are getting the word that, you know, Todd Faust is um, in the hospital and nobody's sure what's going to happen. And they're all gathering at the ER. We're in a tiny town. We got, I live in a town of 40,000 people. So it's small and word travels fast. And they came out through the doors and said, Miss Faust, we did everything we could. And, you know, it was in that moment, but I will tell you one of the, um, you know, one of the moments, one of the encounters that I had in that moment with no language for it. I have a lot of language for this now, but I didn't have any language at that point. But Todd passes away. I'm left 23 years old. You know, he's 27, the picture of health. Everybody in their brother is like, wait, I'm sorry, did that really just happen? No one could believe it was real. It's just like when your wife passed away. Did that really happen? Like, was that, you know, you just can't believe it. And yet at the same time, you know, I saw God working like a miracle, not even three hours after Todd passes away. My friend Melanie, she's standing in my kitchen. She sees Todd's sport coat from church that morning. We'd just been to church and he takes the sport coat off and put it on the on the bar stool. She's in my house. She sees that sport coat and she's not in community. She doesn't, she's kind of walked away from her faith and she's just kind of doing her thing, married, you know, out of college and doing her thing. And she looks at that sport coat and she realizes all those things. I don't have community. I've walked away from God. I don't know how she's doing this. And she says to me, I don't know how you're doing this because I'm greeting people and crying and just, you know, we're all comforting each other. And all I heard was Holy Spirit say to me, she does not know me. Mm. And I was like, what? I mean, you know, it's like all of the evangelism explosion and faith and all these missional things that I'd done in my childhood and in my high school years all come flooding back. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm like, Melanie, do you want to go sit in my bedroom? And we end up going into my bedroom. I mean, hundreds of people milling around out here in my house. And she sits down and I still to this day, I have no idea what I said. I don't, I, I couldn't have probably laid out the Romans road right then. Wow. I didn't have a track on me, but I was just like, Melanie, he wants, he wants to be everything to you. You know, he wants your whole life. And she'd grown up religious, you know, she had not grown up with a relationship. She was there just like I was. I pretty much grown up religious too, but I knew relationship. I did know that. And she'd been there every time the door was open. 
she never felt confident of her salvation. And so she sits down and I don't know, Davy. all I can say is, I don't know what I said. I don't know what prayer she prayed, but I know she stood up a new creation. Wow. And I know when she stood up and I text her every September 16th, this was in 2001, every September 16th, I'm like, happy birthday. Today's the day you live forever. Cause I feel like we celebrate the wrong oh, birthday. You yeah. know, the, the yeah. day you really live is the Come day on. that you surrender to Jesus, and she surrendered. She and her entire family got baptized. Yeah. They gave their life to Jesus. They're still, she's like pouring her life out at Highland mm-hmm. Park and Muscle Shoals. And I, you know, I look at Melanie and I'm like, it is well with my soul. I could never have known what God was doing. But three hours later, I was like, all right, well, if, if that's, if, I mean, Todd was already in the sweet by and by, he was living his best life. And then Melanie got to, impact thousands of people. Is it hard to reconcile why Todd wasn't the one who got to to live out kind of Melanie's life? And because he was on track to do that. Yes, but that's the mystery that we live with. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, that is the mystery that you and I and every one of your listeners who who are listening, who deal with pain and suffering, there is a level of mystery that you just have to live with. That's right. And we will never be able to explain it. And that and that's the great mystery. And that's what you just have to, you just have to marry into, I'm not going to understand, but I'm still mm. going to trust. Wow. You know, and and there I was, you know, three, three hours later getting a glimpse of that. And then I learned to worship in those days afterward. You know, I was single for two years. I would play um, Fernando Ortega's Give Me Jesus with mm. my little jam box. It was... I don't know if you, you probably don't remember, but in the back of Give Me Jesus, that book that Ann Graham Lott wrote, there was a CD and she did this spoken mm. word thing in the back, in the middle of the CD. Fernando oh. saying, Give Me Jesus. And then Ann did this, I am, you know, the Alpha and the Omega. I am, it was before spoken word was spoken word. And wow. <clears throat> she did this thing and I would just play the CD and I would just sing with Fernando like he was my friend. And my dog would like howl. I mean, it was just those dark days when you're, I was alone. I had a dog. I had yeah. a dog, baby, you know? Yeah. And I'll never forget 10 days after my, um, after Todd passed away, it was my birthday. I turned 24. And they, my sweet friends gave me this surprise party and they wheeled out a three-dimensional cake that they had had specially made for me mm. for my birthday of my dog, of my dog. And it was Probably, oh God, just makes me emotional right now. Mm. I mean, it was like the saddest thing ever, you know, because I was just like, oh my gosh, that is like what's left of me. You know, it was like this dog cake. And I mean, it shouldn't have been sad. My sweet friends meant it to be amazing. And it was, but yet at the same time, I was like, I'm 20, 24 with a dog, you know? And, And I know like a lot of us who are, have walked through singleness and you know that's been like hard it's like who's my person you know and that's what I miss the most I miss like somebody knowing where I was all the time as you as you know well like it's just that was what I missed about married life and um but you know I mean I will say I'm I will never regret those hours that I spent on my floor with that jam box listening to that song because the Lord taught me to worship I did not know what worship meant, but to me that is, and I I tell widows this even today. I'm like, worship is our weapon, and 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 we have a sword. We have a lot of swords to yield, but when you can't 
speak. And when you can't do anything, you can turn on a song and, and it, and it creates emotion. I mean, they say that, um, a song that creates emotion is the equivalent of like floods of dopamine to your system. It's like, of course the Lord would create music to heal and, and, and worship music even to heal. Cause you're getting like, not only are you getting the tones, but you're getting the words, you know, to put to your pain. And I mean, when I am alone, give me Jesus. When I come to die, give me Jesus. I mean, I can't think of anything more like take me there. You know, I can go right there to that floor right now. Mm. And so the Lord taught me worship. And, um, but I was, you know, I, I was, I was 24, you know, I was supposed to be living my best life and yet I'm alone. Um, sad, but I was like, okay, this is not the end. I went back to work two weeks later and I was like, let me just go do something, you know, and ended up, um, yeah, I dated a little bit and, um, ended up a family friend, Blair Faulkner, his parents and my in-laws were best friends. And I had seen him like the Thanksgiving after, um, the, the second Thanksgiving after Todd passed away. And I was like, golly, I mean, Blair Faulkner's 35. He's a fighter pilot. Like he wears a flight suit. Like how cute is that? Um, <laughs> like my little mini Top Gun moment. I was like, all right, all right. Like I, I told my mom, I came home and I was like, mom, like Blair's 35. He loves Jesus. Like I should go out with him. And my mom would laugh because my mom and Blair's mom talked together at Small Town America. Hello. <laughs> And and his in-laws, I had hosted a birthday party for his mom. I mean, it's like she, I was closer to her than I've ever had been to Blair. I barely knew him. And um, it was funny. So we had our first date the day before Christmas Eve. I mean, it was, you know, second time around, as you yeah. well know, it yep. was like, all right, you love Jesus. Cut I love Jesus. Chase. Let's That's do this right. thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we both had a heart for ministry. We both had a heart for um you know, travel and seeing and eating and, you know, just all the, we had a lot of like, I had my, you know, I had this covenant with God. These are my five non-negotiables. And I had 30 things. I was like, well, these are all like bonus ads, you know, uh, which I highly recommend by the way. Um, Cause it's, you know, it it keeps you in that place where you're always looking for these five, you know, it's Mm. like, I was unwilling to compromise on these five things. And, um, and God, you know, it was crazy. I'll never forget though. You could relate to this, but, um, on Christmas Eve, like two days after Christmas Eve, I had my high school friends over to my house and we were all just reconnecting. And I remember sitting down and I, I like somehow I like brushed against like the side of Blair's leg. Like I was sitting on the floor and I brushed his leg and I remember just thinking, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like it was just this. (laughs) flood of emotion just like that is you know just touch is such a big thing you just miss like being hugged and loved on and oh my gosh it's so precious Hey friend, just wanted to take a quick minute to talk to you about one way that you can help support the important work that we're doing here at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries and this won't cost you a thing we want to invite you to join us in helping people move from pain to purpose by becoming a Nothing Is Wasted prayer partner By becoming a prayer partner, each month you'll get a prayer and praise report that will give you specific ways that you can partner with us in prayer for what we have planned in the days to come, as well as praises, what we're seeing come out of the work that we do here at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. In addition to that, you'll be invited to join us each quarter for a live Zoom prayer call. 
Scripture tells us that the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. And we believe the core of who we are at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, we're called to pray first, that the battle actually happens in the spiritual when we engage in prayer. So as we push back the darkness that can come from pain, trauma, and suffering, we undoubtedly will be faced with adversity and challenges, and we know that prayer is the most effective way to see healing and breakthrough happen. So join us today by going to nothingiswasted.com slash prayer team. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash prayer team. You can sign up there today. And we want to invite you to partner with us as we're bringing hope and healing to those who need it most. We got engaged in March. We married um, in July. It was fast. I moved to New Orleans. He was a fighter pilot. I was a drug rep. I mean, we were we were living our best life. Katrina came. Hurricane Katrina blew us out of there. We ended up in Columbus, um, Mississippi, you know, just in the middle of Nowhereville, Mississippi yeah. and, um, you know, Air Force Base. And I, I, but I was so happy to be an Air Force wife. He'd given me the Air Force wife manual. And I was like, I'm going to be the best Air Force wife there ever was. But but I will say, Davey, you know, I had never dealt with my pain. You know, I'd had these encounters with Jesus, but there were like two counselors in my town. I've never been to counseling. I was I was one of the few, you know, who I just had never not. Um, I've woken up every day of my life and just been happy to be there and happy to live the day. And so depression was just never anything that um, that the enemy came against me with. Yeah. But I was very emotionally bankrupt and. Mm. And I will say, I read Pete Scazzaro's book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, um, a few, you know, a good 12, 15 years ago. And I remember reading the book. I was on a plane. I was going to speak in Boise, Idaho. And I I sobbed. And the lady beside me, she was like, honey, I don't know what you're reading, but it must be amazing. And I was like, well, it's my story. I mean, mm. it, you know, Pete was a pastor and he never felt a thing in his whole life. And that was me, Davey. I just... I never, I grew up in a home where we were just soldiers. You know, my mom was a teacher. My dad was a teacher. My dad was a colonel in the air, in the army. We just, you know, feeling, big feelings just wasn't like a thing. You know, we were just like, oh, you felt that? No, I don't think you did. You know, and nobody meant to to do any of those things. Like nobody was trying to teach emotional, you know, unhealth. It just... You know, when you're raised by depression babies and they've gone through the depression and their parents just had to just, they just had to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. That just yeah. gets passed down. And and honestly, if anybody was going to lose a husband, I was probably a good, a good candidate just to suck it up and keep moving and do the thing. And then you add Christian life and religion to that. And it and it creates um you know, spiritually way up here in the heavenly planes and really emotionally bankrupt people. And that was me. And and the wheels were falling off of the marriage. I mean, everything was happy and you, you know, throw a kid, (laughs) throw a log on the fire of a child and and you're going to really, really see what you're made of, you know? And for me, that was blaming. I blamed Blair. His job was ruining, ruining my life. And I'm sure none of the listeners have ever said that to their husband. (laughs) But for me, it was so real to me, Davey. I really genuinely thought if Blair just could take another job 
and could do something where he could help me more with these kids. Cause we had a baby, we had a you know, two year old and a five month old. And we were, you know, I was like, we've got to do something. Like, I mean, I'm so unhappy and you are, you Blair are making me unhappy. And what I didn't know, Davey, is that I had been through trauma and I had been, um, but I had been through trauma before Todd died. I had um, been, a I had experienced abuse by a distant family member when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. And I was not connecting the dots. I was, I could have never in a million years, because when I was 19 in college, I made this deal with God. I was like, I will serve you. I will do anything you ask me to do. It was like, as if, if he had said, go to Africa, I would have been like, I'm on the first bus. Because I made this deal with him. I will never have to tell anyone what happened to me if you just let me just partner with me and I'm going to serve you. Hmm. And and he doesn't make deals like that. He just cannot make deals because he knew and, and he's always known that he wanted to heal me. He wanted to heal me from those things that happened to me at 10, 11, 12. And it wasn't... And honestly, for listeners who've been sexually abused, it really wasn't... It wasn't that. It was just... It was um, it was simple, but I tell you what, it locked me in a place of total shame, mm. total shame. And even when I found out what incest was, which is sexual, you know, in nature, um, when I found out what that word meant, I was like, oh my gosh, like, and that wasn't my story, but just a hint of that. It felt yeah. so dirty and I felt so dirty. And I was just like, if I just like, Cut this way back in the back of my mind and act like this never happened. It's like the tree that fell in the woods. If no one was there to hear it, it didn't really fall, right? right. And I've heard people say this, you know, about abortion, about, you know, any kind of trauma that you're like, la, 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 let's act like that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it is like the beach ball that cannot be pushed underwater. Yeah. It, it cannot, it, that cannot happen. And um, I'm experiencing this in mine and Blair's marriage, although the, the world would say, oh, what a perfect little family. You've got your boy and your girl, but internally the wheels are falling off. But in November, this is my, in November of 2007, the Lord was just calling me into something. And honestly, I had no frame for this whatsoever. And, and it's so funny how so many of us, me, Brittany, Courtney, pray, like we all had these encounters and maybe even you, I just don't know it, but like there was this encounter where God was like inviting me into this marriage with him, but I'd never heard anyone talk about intimacy yeah. or just yeah. encounter with God. And I was driving in Columbus. I will never forget it. And it was like, my car just became this just force field of Jesus. And he was inviting me into this wow. life of like total surrender, like not just you're going to be my Lord. Right. Like you are going to be my, you're going to be my savior and my Lord. Cause I yeah. knew he was my savior. I was like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I got that. But like Lord of every area of my life. And I, w- I didn't have a, I didn't even have words around it. I remember calling a friend and going, I had this weird thing happen. I don't know who to talk to. So what did I do? I'm like, let's go get a mentor. Cause they'll be able to figure it out. <laughs> and it was like this woman who talked about, she talked about the word. Like I talked about going to TJ Maxx. You know, I was just like, all right, (laughs) Kelly will understand. Like, I'll call Kelly. She was my mops mentor mom. And I was heavy into mops at this point. And so I called Kelly and I'm like, will you start meeting with me? And still like no frame for what happened, but something happened. And this is November, 2007. And 
Um, so April comes, Blair is praying for a mentor because we both are like, let's go to counseling and let's get mentors. And um, anyway, so that happens. And Hugh, who Blair meets with, I don't tell this often, but Hugh was Kelly's husband and we had no idea. Okay. So my mentor, okay. husband, who was meeting with men, Blair met at a party and and Hugh said, um, Blair said, well, what do you do? And he was like, well, I'm like a personal trainer for your spiritual life. And Blair was like, huh. oh my God, well, do I pay you by the hour? Like this was before <laughs> like coaching was a big thing. Right, and right. Nobody knew about that stuff, you know, 15 years ago. And so he meets with Hugh. He meets with Hugh the second time. And Hugh says, I want you to read Hebrews. I want you to read Hebrews Hall of Faith. And I want you to come back to me after you read it. And I want you to tell me if you're willing to give up even your career for the surrender it to the cause of Christ. Mm. And I remember Blair comes home and he said, I will meet with you if the answer is yes. But if you cannot give up even your career for the cause of Christ, then I can't meet with you. And Blair was Mm. like, dude, you are like way serious. Like this was like hardcore mentorship. And Blair comes home and he's like, this is what Hugh said. And I'm like, what? I mean, this is our benefits. This is Mm. our career. I'm a stay at home mom. I'm like, okay, we ain't cutting the career out, okay? Like, we'll serve Jesus, but the career, like, let's just, like, talk about that later. Because that would have been everything I knew that was, yeah. you know, somewhat hanging on by this thread. And um, and Blair said, I'm going to do it. He prayed about it. I prayed about it. And I was like, you got to meet with him. And he, he went out two weeks later, Davey, on April 23rd, 2008. And he had three sorties that day with his student pilot who was 22 years old. I'm at home with five-month-old and a two-year-old. And they took off. It was a beautiful, beautiful spring day. And they had a full tank of gas. And there was a cable in the wing called an aileron. And that aileron broke. And the flap didn't work on the left side of the plane. And so when he took off, they immediately just flipped. And wow. they were both killed instantly. And he was 39 years old. It was 10, seven days before his 30, 40th birthday. And so here I am having, you know, this one month encounter where Blair has surrendered his life to the cause of Christ. Yeah. We've, we've given up everything, even if it meant your career. Yeah. I've had this encounter in November of 2007 where the Lord's like, I want you to marry me. And I'm like, I got a husband. I'm good. Yeah. But yet I was like, I'm going to go figure out what this is. But yeah. but I was being invited into something that I could have never known. But I will tell you on the walk back when they came and told me that Blair passed away and what had happened. And on the walk back to my house, I remember not knowing Genesis 50, 20, what you intended for harm, God intended for good and the saving many lives. I didn't, I, I, you know, I knew the story of Joseph, but I don't think I knew that scripture. And I walked back to my house that day and it was like, oh my gosh, like I don't, and I remember saying, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm all in. And, um, you know, it was almost like Blair's surrender and what had happened to me in November was just this, just tipping point for me to go, I'm like, I'm so all in on your plan because Clearly, my plan is never going to be the best plan. And 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 that's the other mystery that you have to live with, too, Davey, is, you know, thousands of people heard the gospel because of Blair's death. Yeah. And that, like, that is so hard for those of us who are listening who've experienced right. loss. And yet there's right. been this dramatic, these thousands of people impacted by loss. Yeah. And yet, that's the gospel. 
You know, I just, I look at Jesus and his death unlocked our future. That's right. And and I look at Blair's death and I look at Todd's death and I'm like, mm. I mean, I would never wish it on my worst enemy. But yet I know that I know that one day when I get to heaven, like, we're going to see, it's going to be made so clear. And I can't yeah. see the back of this tapestry that God is just you know, so beautifully, intricately weaving. And, you know, for Blair's parents and Todd's parents, it's a hard pill. It is a hard pill. And they're so proud of, you know, the things that God has done through Blair's story and Todd's story, but it's hard, you know? And it's just, that will be the mystery that we live with. And that's okay. I'm, I'm willing to sit in that because I know this life, baby, God, it's just, like this, you know, we're a blade of grass. And so I'm kind of like, I'm going to make this blade count, you know, like I'm going to make it be the greenest, most beautiful, fruitful blade of glass, blade of grass with the most chlorophyll because I want people to taste and see that he's good. And because he is, he's still good, even though I've lost two husbands and, you know, Blair's life. I mean, his funeral would have never been what it was um, if he had not made that decision just two mm. weeks before he died. And and I, I, for any man listening, like, there's no career, there is no, um, there's nothing, nothing that you will ever do that will um, come close to experiencing the freedom that comes from surrender, you know, and, and I don't care what that is, even your family, you know, it's like, I surrender my family to the cause of Christ. And, and that's, that's hard too. But I I look back and I'm like, gosh, thank you, Lord. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people have heard the gospel at Blair's funeral and, and so many pilots that we've prayed for for years. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but, um, God was so gracious to, allow me to get this glimpse into this bigger plan. But I, you know, emotional bankruptcy only got more, like it was like gasoline on the fire of my emotional bankruptcy. And I end up in Huntsville, Alabama. I end up for a counselor for the first time after 11 years and two losses and, you know, raising toddlers who are, you know, James Dobson wrote the book about called The Strong-Willed Child. And I mean, I just got, I got powerful (laughs) kids, you know, and they they wanted to exert their power on me. And I'm like, no. Oh, you have to do what I say. And, um, Rachel, we know. joke around that we have we have three firstborns. Yeah. <laughs> which is what we do, right? We have Natalia, who's the oldest from her previous marriage, Weston, my oldest from my previous marriage, and then ours oh, together man. was the firstborn. And it's like, man, oh, we have, God. we're just, we're just, we're in it. This is going to be You are. Rough. You're in it. You're in it. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, pain is their superpower, as you know. I mean, my kids, I tell them that all the time. Like, you have a superpower and it is your pain. And that's everybody listening. Pain is our superpower. And, um, you know, God was so gracious to allow me to sit in a counseling office for two years Mm -hmm. every week. And Lisa asked me the first day, she said, God, we're looking over the balcony of heaven. And what would he think about you? And I'm like, can I have a list of words? Like, I don't... Mm. No, no concept what he would think about me. He'd probably be a little disappointed because I'm, I was, you know, spanked my kids too hard or I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I honestly genuinely had no idea the heart of the father. And, you know, and then I've got this shame storm over here brewing for my 10 year old life. And, mm-hmm. and all of those come together. I meet this woman who 
it truly, um, she was just living out the gospel and she was having fun doing it. And I've never seen anyone who was more passionate about pursuing people for Jesus. And I was like, Leah, like, you know something I don't know. And she introduced me to the Holy Spirit. I had the Holy Spirit for me, but I did not have the Holy Spirit for other people. And it was Mm. very apparent in my life. You know, I mean, you, um, even including my own children, it was like, I could quote the scripture. I could put the video Bible study in and host the group and make the coffee. And, you know, I could do all the religious things, but I did not have him for others. Mm. I had enough, I had a barely enough of him for myself and she had him for others. And I was like, I want that. I want that. And she came over and prayed for me. And that was the night that my ministry began. You know, it was the night that I realized like I am, I am his beloved and his beloved is mine. And, um, and God was like doing a number on me. I let go of my secret, which unlocked my life. I forgave, I, you know, and honestly, I would have never met my husband if I had not been on that emotional health journey because I I didn't know what to call it, but he was on his own journey as a pastor over here in Atlanta, 45, never been married. We meet, you know, it's like, all right, do you want to be a ministry? Yes. Do you love Jesus? Am I like an ounce attracted to you? Oh yeah. Um, Okay, let's go. (laughs) And, and honestly, you know, I was, I was looking for a ministry, um, partner to carry out the gospel, you know, because I know two are better than one. And, and yes, I wanted a husband and I wanted a companion, but I wanted a partner. Something deep. And yeah. Oh yeah. It was, it was so much bigger than me. It was so much bigger than him. He'd been in ministry and, you know, waited his whole life to marry. I mean, he'd never even been engaged. He, he told me when we fell in love, he was like, if this is what love is, I don't think I've ever been in love. I'm like, how is that possible? I can fall in love with the wall. I mean, I was just like, I'm so it is so easy for me to fall in love. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't even understand that. But but it was it was precious. And God brought us together and we've been married for 10 years this June. Wow. Wow. And you know, walked through his depression and anxiety three months after he got me we got married. And um, God, talk about forgiveness for a man's body and mind. And so I learned forgiveness through through Rod's depression. Wow. Because I don't really think I'd ever experienced like the power of my unforgiveness and how it locks someone else in a prison Mm -hmm. because I was literally locking Rod in unforgiveness, which locked him in a prison, which locked him in unhealth and and he Mm -hmm. could not heal because we were one. Mm -hmm. When you were one, I mean... Like your unforgiveness for this person that you're one with, it's almost like it's locking their body and your body in unforgiveness. And I had no idea. I had no idea. I was so bitter and so angry that I had married a sick husband. You know, I was just like, for the love of Pete, I mean, I've got a, I've buried two husbands. Can I just like, could you have just given me somebody healthy? I mean, like who didn't have this, you know, trauma in his past and his dad died in a car wreck and he just kind of been mushing it down as a single person, this, you know, depression that would rear its head, but he never really called it that and really never knew that's what it was. And of course, when you get a wife and two kids and move to the suburbs on the same day, the wheels are going to fall off. And, and, you know, we're both healthy enough that we knew what was happening. And yet at the same time, I was furious, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Furious. 
And we walked that out. Blair, he, Blair, Rod was on medication for about two and a half, three years. And now he gets to help men who are mm. suicidal and, um, you know, in depression. And uh, so it's, it's beautiful. And yet um, God, you know, started be still in that time frame because I went up, a friend invited me to go up and pray at this little house. And this is my, and we can talk, but this is my final encounter. I, I got invited to this house and I'd never experienced um, encouraging prayer, the prophetic. I'd never even, I, I'd never even heard of that really. I was yeah. just like, she wanted me to go pray. And of course, I'm so miserable. I'm just like, I don't even want to go pray. Like, I'm just wow. like, oh, I mean, that is just like the last thing I want to do because I'm just mad. I'm just stomping around. Yeah. And she said, no, 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 go with me. And this woman was there. She's there with a team of three. And she opened her Bible and she pointed to a scripture. And she said, she said my name and she didn't know me from Adam's house cat. And she said, Rachel, she said, you're like a crocus coming up out of the winter snow and you will declare the goodness of God before the nations. Mm. And when she said it, I was like, I knew it was true. Like, you know, I I wasn't really in ministry at this point. I was just a a mom who moved and got married. and, And when she said it, I was just like, Oh my gosh, everything in me. It was just like, I got wow. flooded. I started just dry heat crying. It was like the God of the universe, all my pain, you know? Wow. And I, I don't, you know, when you're, when you're like me, I'm a seven on, on the Enneagram. And so I'm just happy and fun. And I love to yeah. like play the next trip. And, and I've really never sat in the fact <clears throat> that he saw my pain mm-hmm. and he knew it had been hard. And, and that woman like called it out and didn't know me. And it was just like, if God himself said, Rachel, I see, and you're beautiful and it's going to be okay. And mm-hmm. you're going to get to help lots of people. And it wasn't about helping lots of people. It was just that he saw me, yeah, you know? Right. And so I just say to everyone, listen, like, if you don't feel seen today, um, he sees every pain and and even the tears that I'm crying right now. Like he's bottling everyone up. They're they're becoming a planting of the Lord, and you will walk out with a harvest. I mean, I'm walking in a harvest season. I really am. It's wow. been hard. I'm still planting tears. There's still hard things right in my story right now, but he's planting a harvest, and I'm reaping that harvest. But it's you know it's in season, Davy. The tears I planted. 21 years ago when Todd died, you know, I'm probably just now reaping those, you know, the tears that, that God planted 15 years ago when Blair died. I'm probably, I haven't even seen those tears yet. So it's just, right. it's hard to wait, um, but he's doing something special, yeah. you know? Yeah. Wow. It's a lot. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's no, it's, no, it's not. It's, I mean, it's a lot, but it's, it's amazing. I mean, as you're recounting all of these things, Rachel, I mean, one, you've been through an unbelievable journey that mm-hmm. very few people can, you know, truly relate to and understand. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I think there's so many different things that, that kind of stick out to me, but I, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to underemphasize the reality of what you're talking about here with this idea of, in some ways, coming into a marriage covenant with the Lord. Right, oh, because yeah. I remember, I remember reading again. I'll I'll reference Elizabeth Elliot again because I, I yeah. just see her life kind of paralleled so much so much with your life in the sense that you know I I remember reading shortly after Amanda passed the Path of Loneliness, yeah. which is what she wrote in between her second husband and her third husband, and but I also what was so impactful about that is I read a book by Elizabeth Elliot about the journal writings that she and Jim would exchange 
as they were wrestling with, should we even be together in the first place? Mm-hmm. And the whole crux of that book was Elizabeth basically communicating like, I'm married to the Lord. I'm content with the Lord and, and wrestling with the Lord going, should I like be married to this man? Should I not? But there was something that stuck out to me as an 18 year old kid reading that as I was wrestling through the season of going, what does it look like? I'd just been called to ministry. What does it look like to actually just be fully devoted to the Lord and not yeah. worry about if he brings me any other companion, soulmate, right? Yeah. And that was a critical season of learning contentment in the Lord in my life. Yeah. And then he brought me back to that after I lost Amanda. And I see that thread through your life as well. And this is something yeah. that is bubbling over, spilling over in you right now. It's something yeah. that you have conversations with, with these, I know with these widows that come to these retreats is being married to the Lord. Talk about how, why that's so critical. Yeah. T- talk to me about why that's such an important, not just like on the surface level. Well, you know, it's 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 going to make sure that you don't feel lonely if you were to lose your, <laughs> right? Like it's way beyond that. There's something that's so way critical with beyond. that. And, it, and at the same time, it has also helped to carry you through the loss of two husbands. Oh yeah. Well, there's this, um, I'll talk about this because this is, you know, I'm kind of one of those unusual people who, you know, I've experienced so much death. And so there's this, this piece of me, like I have two husbands in heaven who I was yeah. one with, you know, so there's just like a lot of my, a lot of who I am currently resides in the right. like real heavenly realms. Right. You get this, but there's um, a monastery in Greek um, on Mount Athos. And it says, if you die before you die, you won't die when you die. Mm. And for me, because of like understanding that I actually died with Christ, Mm. you know? So when he died, I died. And when he was resurrected, I was resurrected into this new creation. And so Mm. because of the fact that I'm a new creation, um, I'm never going to die, Davey. You know, I mean, we are so So wrapped up in this death culture and funerals and blah, blah. I mean, like obsessed. There's a, there's, I mean, God, after COVID, we're even more obsessed. Let's just try and figure out how we can not die. And I'm like, y'all, I'm already dead. Like, why? So like, which frees me up to release, to release my heart to a man who, yes, I am married to, but it also releases me into this union that I can never be separated from. And so equal parts, um, like Rod is getting the best version of me because it's me and Jesus. That's right. And I'm getting the best version of Rod because it's Rod and Jesus. And so every decision, every thought is informed by our spirit. Because I live out of my spirit. I do not live out of my soul. I don't live out of my body. Now, not all the time, obviously, yeah. but yeah. but I mean, the, the more I meditate and the more I think about union and the more I'm married into, like I'm baked in the cake. I'm yeah. baked in the cake. And when you are baked in the cake, like you get forgiveness and you get... Yeah. Um, the righteousness and you get the mind of Christ. There's like these thousands of benefits that we just think that we're close to, or we've got to get, it's like, no, you've already got it. So what does that mean? And so I think for me, it's just like surrender and marriage is union, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and Rod and I are in union together, but he's getting the best of me because he's getting 
knee unionized with Jesus. He's not getting, and and honestly, Davey, you know, this is a big thing for me too, because relationships, even even the, the way that we identify a relationship with Jesus, like, Relationships take work. Relationships yeah. can be broken. Well, union, there's no breakage. Mm-hmm. Like I can't be ununionized from Jesus. Wow. I mean, it helps. Wow. It helps you like understand salvation. Like it helps you just go. Gosh, I mean, I can't lose that. I mean, people yep. are just out there all the time, just going. I'm losing. The, I'm like, you can't. <laughs> like, golly, yeah. just just own it. It's yours. You know, mm-hmm. take his heart. And so, I, I don't know. Does that answer your question? I, I feel like it, it's just, you know, Absolutely. union has been like the last six months of my life has been yeah. all about what does that mean? We just don't have a handle on it as believers. No. And no. Um, and when we do, um, and when we get a handle on that, we're already dead. I mean, it's such yes. a big thing for me because I just, I, I feel like... Um, you know, the obsession to not die and even wellness, like that can become such Mm -hmm. an idol, Mm -hmm. um, you know, of healthy eating. And it's like, oh my gosh, like I can never, I could just, it's never, it's like, how good is good enough? Like I can never eat clean enough. I can never go to the naturopath enough. And all the, all those things are, are amazing. And I'm not saying eat cheeseburgers every day, but at the end of the day, like we've got to release ourselves to the blood of Jesus. Hey friends, with as many of you guys who are listening to this each week, I know so many of you are carrying a heavy weight of pain and loss. Your story has not gone the way that you thought it was going to go. And when we when we start to process what's happening in our lives, we can often find ourselves paralyzed by the pain, not really knowing where to go from here, what to do from here. And uh, you know, I know from experience that we even begin to to tell ourselves lies like this is the end of your story, that this will always define you. And trust me, I've been there. But with the help of others, I was able to navigate my way out of that valley. And nothing is wasted ministries. We exist to help you navigate your pain and even find purpose from that pain. So if you're new to our community and you're wondering where to start, or you've been with us for some time and you're just looking to take your next step, I'm hosting a free live call just for you. In that call, we're going to talk about the five steps to taking back your story, no matter what you've gone through. I'm going to share with you a little more of my own journey of how God met me in my valley and guided me after losing my wife, Amanda. And I'm going to teach you five critical steps that you'll have to take in order to rewrite your story. The call is going to be right at 60 minutes long, but I promise you, it's going to be well worth your time because in it, you'll learn things like how to regain a sense of agency and begin thriving, not just surviving, but thriving in the midst of your trying circumstances. Why having more questions than answers may be an essential part of moving forward how to get rid of the overwhelming negative emotions that tend to bog you down and get you stuck. We're going to talk about the one key decision that you're going to have to take in order to move through your pain and and beyond it. How to listen to the right voices when everyone seems to have an opinion on what you quote unquote should do next. And listen to me, a whole lot more. So if you're feeling weighed down or paralyzed by the pain you've experienced, you don't have to stay there. I want to be your guide and show you the way back to thriving. Just go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash start here to sign up for this free live call. Or if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, just click the link 
the bottom in the show notes. We've made it extremely easy for you to sign up and we're offering multiple date and time options for this live call to work with your calendar. Guys, I believe this one step could be the very breakthrough you need to put you on the redemptive path God has for you. Just open up your browser on your phone right now and go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here or click the link we've included in the show notes of this episode. I'm in your corner and I can't wait to connect with you soon. You know, you're, you're bringing that up. That's like, exactly, that's a rabbit hole. And it, it can become an idol just like anything else. But it's to what end? It's, well, yeah. at the end of the day, if, if I'm going to maintain uh, health and wellness, it needs to be yeah. to the end of the cause of Christ. Yeah. Why do I want to do yeah. that? Well, I want to I I steward my life so that I can be yeah. as well as I can for the purposes yeah. of Christ. But at the end of the day, no matter how much, you know, yoga that we do, <laughs> how many times we sit in a sauna, how clean our food is. Like we're all going to die. But what yeah. you're saying is we're actually never going to die when we're in no. Christ. No, you don't we're taste not. Where, oh, death is your sting, right? No, where We is don't it? taste it. And I, I say this a lot that um, uh, before, before someone ever took Amanda's life, she laid it down for the cause of Christ. Absolutely. 100%. And that is the absolute best and most fulfilling way to live this life is that, yeah. that you know, Pauline statement of uh, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And to die, like, I think, you know, I think it's to die is gain, but when did you die? You know, because a lot of us are waiting to die. But, but for me, you know, I died 15 years ago and I gave it up and I was just like, okay, secret's gone. I have no fear. And, and, Mm. And I think for me, it, it, also allows me to let Blair, like Blair just got back from this huge diving trip around the world for 12 days. Well, I could have sat here and just stewed and stressed, like, is he going to die underwater in the Solomon Islands? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's going to take three days to get his body. I mean, like, honestly, as a widowed twice person, like I could have right. done that. You know, right. it frees me up to let Blair go live a great adventure. I mean, yeah. Rod, sorry, my husband right. now, Rod, but let Rod go live this great adventure right. that honestly, if I didn't already believe that I were dead, I'm not sure I would do. Yeah. yeah you know, because it eliminates right. fear. It really right. does. It's like I have nothing left to fear. I mean, honestly, mm. I mean, death is, is, it, I don't know. It sounds so, so crazy good. to people no, listening it doesn't. No, at the same time. I, no, I'm but it's so sure. true. It's that's real. Not, it, it's it's really very real. real. And that's one of the things I think we experience when we experience loss and we, and then we walk with Christ in that. What yeah. loss begins to do is it, it begins to uh, eliminate how tethered we are to this world. And so it eliminates fear. And fear that's is right. a driving force right now in our society more than I've ever seen. More than oh, I've totally. ever seen, right? Yeah. And scripture tells us, 2 Timothy says, he has not given us a spirit of fear, yeah, but a spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind. And yeah. so the spirit of Christ is the opposite of the spirit of fear, yes. which is why so many times in scripture, right, we hear, don't be afraid, because yeah. fear is the tactic that the enemy uses to try to keep us paralyzed, to try to keep our effectiveness neutralized, yeah. and to keep us stuck in the pain, in the trauma, yeah. in the grief. And fear will rob so much from us. And so what you're saying is you're being, you're loosed. 
Yeah. You I are do. not tethered and tied to this world, right? No, you you're no. you are now everything you see is kingdom minded, kingdom yeah. oriented. It is it is it is your heart and your your mind is in heaven. And yet at the same time, you're here and you're Yeah, I am. You're not so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. You're no. you're living in the tension of those things. You're saying, okay, yeah. as long as we're here, we're gonna continue to just push into the cause of Christ. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, and faith equals, you know, I think that's the thing. So Philip Yancey said this a few years ago. It said, faith is trusting in that what doesn't make sense now will in reverse. That's great. Mm. And and for me, faith is like equals risk. So it allows me to yeah. take these massive risks that that most mm. people be like, oh, I don't want the pressure <laughs> of that. Or I don't want yeah. to say yes to that. But it's like the currency of heaven is faith. And it's risk and it's risk. And so I always see like anytime I step out, you know, even with Be Still or with Never Alone with the Widows, it's like I step out and the Lord's like, I am, I'm, it's just, it's so fascinating how when I step, he literally steps with me, but he's waiting for me to step. Mm. <clears throat> he's honoring your faith. Without faith, he's it's impossible waiting. to please God, yeah. is what scripture says. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Can we can we talk a little bit about this? I, you brought up a really interesting point when you talked about the season with you and Rod. Three months after, mm-hmm. you know, he dives into this depression, and then you're struggling with bitterness. And yeah, God, why didn't you give me a healthy husband? And there, you know, there's this. But can we talk about the intersection of that, like with loss and trauma? Because I feel like we we experience we encounter that a lot, right? That. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we think, okay, now that I've gotten, I've come through my valley, <laughs> now I'm not going to experience any other kind of like hardship, pain. Like, okay, I'm good. Like, I, I, yeah. I don't know if it's like because we have this mindset of going, well, I passed that test. All right, cool. Yeah. Right now, I'm that that was the hardest thing I have ever gone through and will ever go through. And now everything's kind of smooth sailing from here. And yet, that's not life at all, right? And I think sometimes we can get surprised by that, right? I know for me personally, I feel that sometimes where I'm like, man, yeah. sometimes life feels heavier and harder now. Now, oh yeah. And when it did right after I lost Amanda. And I don't sometimes don't know how to reconcile that. Talk about that a little bit, especially at the convergence of pain, gr- grief, and and then encountering trauma within all of that. Like oh, you, yeah. and, you kind of encountered or uncovered some of your own trauma through loss, but it was loss that incited that a little bit that or exposed that a little bit. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe well, talk it to exposed, me about that. yeah, it definitely exposed like um where my comfort came from. I'm telling you that. Mm. I mean, that is for sure what it exposed. And you know, I, I think <laughs> I think when you've been through tra- traumatic things and or loss, and you couple that with like I'm marrying a pastor or I'm in ministry or, you know, for people who've kind of like started things or, you know, you're, you're giving your life with your career to help people. Um, you're like, gosh, I kind of get a pass. Right. Because like, I'm right. like giving my life away for Jesus. Right. And, and it's not, um, and I, I go back to, I look at John and I look at Paul and I look at all their shipwreckness yeah. and their, <laughs> you know, preaching careers. And I'm like, gosh, I mean, the scripture doesn't lend itself to, oh, you're going to sit in a palace and just write beautiful things and it's going to be easy. (laughs) It's going to be hard. And and I would say for those of us who stick our neck out there and say, Mm. 
oh, by the way, hey, I'm a Jesus follower. It's going to be harder, wow. you know, and, and it's kind of one of those things that you, I, I read this thing recently. It said, if you just go ahead and partner with the fact that life is hard, then life doesn't have to be hard. That's right. And I'm kind yeah. of like, oh my gosh, like why, that is just so simple. And yet yeah. it's just going to be hard. And, and it really comes down to, Davey, I think for me is what do you do with the hard? You know, do you just, for me in this season, I stomped around and, you know, I really didn't want to learn anything. I just wanted to be mad. And yet, you know, three weeks into it, I'm like, all right, I can ruin this marriage that God gave me. And and yeah. and honestly, I wanted to walk away. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was just like, I kind of want to quit this. Like, could I potentially get this annulled and just act like this never happened? Mm. Because I'm not sure I want to sign up for this life of depression because mm. I've never been... But I will tell you, what it exposed was judgment and pride. And mm. ultimately, I mean, pain is just such a resetter. You know, yeah. it's such a reset yeah. on where, what does, what am, I, what am I trying to like, there's a root here. There's a lie here that you're believing that you're better than than Rod because he hasn't had depression. And and I and that sounds so horrible and embarrassing to admit, but I yeah. had a righteousness, a, a very unrighteous feeling about my lack of depression. And mm. and and I I think the Lord was just like, I, you know, he didn't give Rod depression by any means, but he was inviting me into exposure. Yeah. And and I think anytime we experience pain, it's like, okay, what of this, what can I learn from this? And that is the highest level of thinking. It's like, um, you know, there's three parts to the reptilian brain. Right. Um, am I safe? Am I loved? And what can I learn from this? Mm, and the third part of the reptilian, that's a reptilian brain. You know, right. what can I learn from this? Okay, don't go next to the Gila monster anymore. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like... Yeah. So what can I learn from this? The monster of depression and the enemy expose that you have judgment against your husband because he has depression. Mm. And I'm asking you to lay that down. Like, I, I, I don't see that. You know, I don't, I don't want you to live that life. That's not who you are, Rachel. You're not a judgmental person. And so he's inviting me into this come higher. And it's always, he's inviting us always upstairs because most people live on the first floor of their life, Davey. Yep. And they yep. never come upstairs to the heavenly realms. They never get invited into that. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Sp speak maybe to, um, you know, I think, I think when we experience pain and loss, we, what God invites us into as well is, is out of exposing some of those, some of those own, some of our idols that we're, we kind of held on to along the way. And he's trying to expose those and trying to heal us from those so that we become whole people. He also then uses us to help heal, right? There's a, there's a capacity, you know, so to, again, using the example of you and Rod, you even mentioned that like part of helping him to be unlocked and to heal was mm -hmm. you releasing some of that bitterness and it created a spiritual environment there where that could be, you know, you could hold space for that. Yeah. Um, how do we, I guess, I guess, how do we, how do we make that shift? Right. Because so much of pain and loss and trauma can cause us to focus inward yeah. and be so like pity 
party, me oriented, which it sounds like at the very beginning, that's where you were at. How, how do you go and make that shift to go, wait a minute, like the Lord's inviting me into being able to be a, a, a compassionate healer for other people. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Absolutely. Well, I think it comes down to encounter. And we talked about this earlier, but you cannot go to me. You can't go from pain to purpose. There has mm. to be a stop at hope. It, yep, you have to have hope. So it goes mm. pain to hope to purpose. That's right. And that's what we do on our retreats because like so right. many of them come in in total pain and they have no hope that it's going to be better. That's right. And so we expose them to hope through an encounter with Jesus. And for mm. us, we love the Emmanuel approach. Jim Wilder, you know, he basically, mm-hmm. you know, you can, um, if you are not connected to joy, Davey, None of that will happen. And the brain, our circuits in pain are so disconnected from joy. And so Mm. it's so simple. I mean, I can, your listeners can do it right now. So you just, you know, you just sit and you think of the best memory that you've had, like in the last six months, like the place where you were like, my gosh, I'm, you know, you're tasting food or you're at a restaurant, you're on a trip and you go to that place in your mind's eye and then you go through your senses. What did it feel like? What did the food taste like? What did I see? What did I hear? What did I smell? And you go through your five senses and you just sit in that memory until joy comes. Wow. Wow. So yeah. you actually feel it, and, right? And, and it becomes so a you visceral actually feel feeling. It. Yeah. That's right. It becomes a visceral feeling. And for me, with Rod in that season, I didn't know what I was doing, but I sat with the Lord one morning and was just, you know, connecting with him the way I've always done, even yeah. before I knew this technique. And I was just kind of dropped into my spirit. And he was like, Rachel, you've just never understood communion. And I was like, what? I mean, I took communion every time we got a new Sunday school lesson. I love communion, you know? And I ended up taking communion that day. And I fully understood that Mm. Jesus's body was broken for my body to be healed, for me to extend forgiveness to Rod's body for not doing what I thought it should do. Wow. And um, which was create joy and, and, you know, all the good things about being married with two kids. Like I was like, how could you not feel joy? This is amazing. And he couldn't feel joy. And I just, I understood. And, and, you know, now even every time I take communion, Davey, I visualize the crown of thorns going on Jesus's head. Mm. And he took depression and anxiety from our minds that day. He took it. And every time I take communion, I see him taking depression and anxiety. Every time I, you know, I I visualize him putting the crown of thorns and putting the crown of thorns on his head Hmm. um, because his mind was tormented that day for us to not be tormented. Wow. Wow. That's so good. I think what's a key point in what you're saying right here is that that's how the the Lord showed up for you personally in that. Yeah. Like you had an encounter, like you said, it was an encounter with, it was a very real encounter with, with the Holy Spirit. And I don't want anybody listening to this and saying, okay, if I just imagine the crown of thorns, you know, then I'm Mm going to have the same kind of, no, what was imperative about that is you just got quiet Mm -hmm. with the Lord Mm -hmm. and, you know, you went through that exercise of like, okay, what is it that has helped me to experience joy in the past? How do I facilitate that right now? How do I invite the Lord to meet me in this space? And then the Lord spoke to you and he took you on a journey, right? Yeah. 
He yeah. did what like Isaiah 30, you know, yeah. though he give you the bread of adversity, the water of affliction, the teacher will hide himself no more. He'll be like a voice whispering to you, this is the way walking is what Isaiah 30 yeah. tells us. And so he's so personal mm-hmm. that he will he custom is. design those encounters for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. And not without a lot of other helping modalities. You know, I mean, I was counseling and I was doing more inner healing work, but I think for me, you know, what we try and do with the widows, like we want them to experience the comfort of God. And most people have not experienced the comfort of God. They have not experienced what it feels like to have him sit beside you. And like, you know, the movie, The Shack, I don't care how you feel about The Shack. That's what that movie was about, was was him experiencing the comfort of God. And I just watched that with my daughter. You know, we're going through a super Mm. hard season with her. And I, I, you know, it was Mm. kind of one of those things. I was like, would you want to watch The Shack with me? Because I wanted her to see. I mean, I'm like, Oh, is she too young for this, you know? And it's like, no, I want her to experience the Trinity of comfort. That's so good. That's yeah. so good. And that, and you're right. I think that is one of the the biggest things that keeps people stuck is they've never experienced the true mm-hmm. personal comfort of God. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and they don't and, know how to do that. You know, I think that's the yeah, other thing exactly. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they've let they've experienced the comfort of other people, which God totally uses. You know, right. but I do think a lot of times it's like through other people and not personally. And to yeah. me, the personal comfort of God in that the most secret place where nobody else can see it but right. you. Right. You know, that is where to me the rubber meets the road and creates hope, which creates purpose. It is. And that's what takes these like these modalities, these these life hacks, these yeah. grief tips, these everything yeah. that you see just written on paper or as you go through a course or that's what actually makes those real. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right? Other than that, this is all just self-help. If it's That's not for right. the power of Christ, right? That's right. If it's That's not for right. his, like the personal comfort of the Holy Spirit, the fact that mm-hmm. we have, like what you've been talking about through this whole thing, union with him. If it's not for that, then, yeah. then none of this is really potent at all. Yeah, right? absolutely. Well, and oh. I think you can't give away what you don't have. Yeah. I cannot give away comfort that I have not personally experienced. Wow. Yeah. And so you wow. you absolutely cannot give away healing. I mean, so I think good. so many people go into purpose prematurely yeah. and they haven't really like experienced this, you know, deep inner workings of the Holy Spirit mm. where it's like, you know, I, he said, wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed in power and strength because he knew you will wow. not be able to give away anything without power and strength. Like wow. they did not start their ministries until they were clothed with power and strength. And for me, it's like, I'm so thankful for that day that I said, Leah, I'm like, what's happening with you? Because I, I wouldn't have a ministry today if I wow, weren't clothed in power and strength. Wow. Man, that's great. Rachel, I feel like I could ask you a billion questions. We could just talk <laughs> I know, I want to interview you. I'm like, okay, now you have to come on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll do that. And yeah. we, I want to have you back on at some point. I'm yeah. making the executive decision. We're going to have you back on because I know there's other things that we want to talk about. Sure. Some of the more, in some ways, some of the, uh, the nuances that we don't really talk about. You alluded to it a second ago, right? You're going through a difficult season with your daughter right now. And yeah. I think that is a a ripple effect of loss is that yeah. you know, as we're all of us who have kids and have experienced loss. I mean, I'm looking up down the roads seven years later and going, man, I'm experiencing some things with, with my kids, with mm-hmm. specifically Weston that I'm going, 
this is a this is an after effect of some of the loss, and I don't know how to wade through some of this stuff, right? And so yeah. I definitely yeah. want to talk about that. I want to have you back on to talk about that in your experience. I want to talk about some other things as well. Yeah. Um, but I'm so grateful for you sharing your story <laughs> with us. And, oh my gosh, such an honor. Yeah. I love it. I could talk about him all day long. He's my favorite person ever. You know, he's done so much. It's just, it, it's so fun to recount. I mean, we overcome, yeah. Davey, you know, by the blood That's of the it. lamb and the word of our stories. And they're important when you're doing great work, you know? Yeah, that's it. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us. Yeah. Um, okay, I want people to know how they can get connected with you. Yeah. Uh, so if you're a widow at yes. Never Alone Widows on Instagram, neveralonewidows.com, um, we would, oh my gosh, love to take you on a retreat, our conference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a conference coming up for 400 widows in Atlanta. Um, and then at yeah, you guys just did. You guys yeah. just did this. Was last year the first year of the conference, yeah, right? Yeah, first year. Yeah. And I, we, yeah. we actually talked about this at our widower retreat. Daniel and I were yeah. talking. Yeah. And she was he was he was kind of re- recounting all of this, you know, what happened. And I'm like, yeah. man, this is incredible, right? You guys like yeah. have no but it was unbelievably Crazy. successful. It was yeah. such a such a wide reach of mm-hmm. uh widows that you guys were able to minister oh, to. Oh yeah. And then oh yeah, and still do the retreats. To- yeah, I mean, 90 to 23. I mean, it it's just people are people, you know, widows are widows. And it doesn't wow. matter how old or if you've been married two years or 55 years. Like, we, you know, we, he, he just wants to do something special wow. through the widow. And he is, you know. And so at Be Still Ministries for like the curriculum, fathershousestudy.com. And then we've got a devotional book called His name our hope and grief and yeah mm. just a lot of fun resources on the website too yeah. so but find us follow us and um you know if you're a widow for sure we wow. want to help wow we will put all of that on the show notes so that you can easily access it uh rachel thank you so much this has just been an incredible conversation it stirred me up you can tell you are just bubbling <laughs> over with the joy of the lord and a love for him yeah. And there's no other way. There's no yeah, other way to no be able way. to walk through what you've walked through and what yeah. you're continuing to walk through without a true, genuine love for the Lord and yeah. and, and and knowing that He is good. He is yeah. good, right? And not just knowing it here, but knowing it here. I can sense that. You yeah. know it here. Oh, I do. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's Romans 8, 28. Like, He is going to make mm. good out of no matter what. Like, I need to write a book called Make Good because mm. honestly, He is going to make good out he of does. your mess. I mean, every bit of it. He will. He, does. he will. Wow. Praise the Lord. Praise Love the Lord. You. Thanks so much, Rachel. We bless you. Wow. Yeah. That was worth the wait to be able to have a conversation with her. Incredible. Yeah, it was. Um, Last episode, we talked about spiritual warfare. We opened up this conversation. Mm -hmm. We uh, realized it takes a little bit longer for us to have this conversation. It's a big topic that we haven't (laughs) talked about a whole lot. We really have. And I was, you know, I was thinking about this in terms of this conversation that we just had with Rachel Faulkner Brown and and how she's experienced so much trauma. I mean, the loss and trauma tend to coalesce. They overlap mm-hmm. quite a bit. Not all trauma is the loss of a loved one. Right. But there are losses within trauma. Yep. In yep. the loss of a loved one, it's not always in such a traumatic way, although it is still on some level trauma. So there's a big overlap. Mm-hmm. She's experienced a lot of it. Anytime trauma happens in your life, there is a a major fracturing that takes place in the spiritual foundations of your life. Yeah, And to the extent that your spiritual foundation was sound and firm, as Jesus would say in Matthew chapter seven, 
you built your house on the rock so that when the storms mm-hmm. come, right? Storms are not biased. Yeah. They're going to come for both the person who built the house on the rock and on the sand. Yeah. So yeah. when the storms come, if you have a strong foundation, it gives you a, you know, it sounds really bad or reductionist to say that with the first thing, it gives you kind of a leg up or an advantage in experiencing trauma because, you know, there is a, there's an understanding of God that has yes. to bolster and carry you through trauma Absolutely. so that the lies of the enemy, because the enemy is going to try to get inside of those fissures and fractures yep. Yep. using spiritual warfare tactics to try to yep. create those into more chasms that separate mm-hmm. you from a true right understanding of God. Mm-hmm. So to the extent that your foundation is strong, then you right, then you're able to withstand the storm. Yeah, and that's why the enemy uses spiritual warfare, especially those who aren't aware of that, or they're kind of yeah, you know, yeah. walking around yeah, blinded to the fact that there's a battle going yeah. on. That's why he uses it often yeah. in trauma. So that's yeah. why why we want to have this conversation. We want to equip you with this, Aubrey. I spent all the time last time talking about this. I'd love to hear <laughs> your thoughts that. on it. When you think about spiritual warfare, your experience yeah. in that, how it relates mm. to your own pain journey. Mm. Yeah, I you know, it's interesting to me. I mean, a few a few thoughts come to mind. When scripture talks about Satan or the enemy or the accuser, various names, um, I think that actually helps us understand what some of the enemy's tactics are, right? Yeah. Like accusing us, um, lying to us, condemning us. Like, so I think one thing when I consider spiritual warfare is just to be mindful of when those, when those lies or those accusations come, you can, you can sometimes think you can believe them. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes just to have that perspective, like, Oh, wait, I'm a child of God. This is not from God. This is an accusation. This is a condemnation. This is a lie. Yeah. Therefore, this is the enemy. Right. You have no authority over me in Jesus' name. Right. Um, so I think some of it is just an awareness, right? Like, because we can we can think, oh, it's just my low self-esteem. Yeah. Oh, it's just my hmm. well, I'm tired today. And um I think it, that may be true, but then the enemy is going to use those circumstances to That's come right. after you and accuse That's you. That's right. Um, and I, you know, I think when we, especially when the Bible talks about Satan as the accuser, that's a that's a courtroom metaphor. Mm. And what we know is that Jesus is our advocate, right? Yeah, that's the good. Holy Spirit is our advocate. That's good. And so um, we can call on our advocate to fight for us. Mm. But I was, Davey, I, I'm not sure if I have this totally connected. So I'm going to just talk through some things. But I was um, reading, so Acts 7 Stephen, uh, one of like the yeah. new apostles, he's not one of the 12, but he's added to the numbers right. of the apostle, apostles, um, is one of the first martyrs uh, that we really read about right. scripture. Maybe not the first, but one where we read his whole story. Yeah. And he is, you know, killed for his faith in Jesus, for proclaiming Jesus historically and faithfully. Yeah. And he's also a guy who's doing miracles and wonders in Jesus's name and mighty man of faith, right? And what we find after that is that we're seeing um, the apostles grieve. Mm. Acts 8 say, many godly, devout people lamented Stephen deeply. Right after that, so in the midst of grief, right? In the fog of grief, here comes Mm. Simon the sorcerer, Mm. 
who is dealing with what I believe is uh, demonic powers. He is impressing people with quote unquote tricks and magic. And so he's able to do things. He wields some type of power, but it is not the power of God. Yeah. And this is not like, uh, you know, let me just, let's just be clear. Take it in 2023 context. This is not a sleight of hand uh, magician. That's like, you know, so... I just want, I want to rebuttal anything that might be like, well, see, magicians are demonic. You know, it's like yeah, no, no, no. no Let's not no, talk no, no, about. No. I, we're this not is talking actual, about like fun little. This is actual party demonic tricks. sorcery yeah. that is happening yeah. here, where he yeah. is wielding power that has been given to him by Satan. Yeah, and he's doing it interestingly for his own name, yes. and so we get this hint right away that this is an evil guy because he's building his own platform instead of the kingdom of God. But it's, it's, it is. It's not like Davy says. It's not like a fun little no, magic no. show. Like, let's go to that. That's yeah, enjoyable. Exactly. <laughs> We're talking about actual evil, and so I, all. I think what's interesting is while the disciples are literally grieving, like they have just put their brother's body in the ground, mm. here comes Simon very presumptuously, Simon the Sorcerer, thinking that he can wield the Holy Spirit's power as part of his show, as part of his little tricks that he's doing, right? right. And I mean, he is rebuked really, really, really strongly right. by Peter. And all that to say... I think that it is in our grief, mm. right, where these these forces want to try to make you think that the power that they have is ultimate power, yep. but it is not like God's power is not to be wielded. That's God's right. power is not to be owned. God's power is not to be commodified, and that's what mm. Simon is doing. So in our grief, I think we have to be mindful of the fact that the enemy's going to come after us with different tactics. Like it may not just be as boldly as Simon the Sorcerer, but trying to make us think that we can sort of objectify the spirit yeah. of God. Yeah. And instead, it's the spirit of God at work in us fighting against that's the good. enemy. Wow. I had never connected those two. And I think that's an amazing connection. Don't you, you think drew. there's something there? I do think like, there's something there. And I had not thought about that, but you're right. In the midst of grief. Yes. In the midst of the, this isn't over. This is a this is a dire situation for the apostles at this at this it point. It is because now, yep. for the first time, like what you said, that we can see there is an orchestrated effort approved by the eventually yes. the apostle Paul, but yes. Saul at the time, right, <laughs> to destroy right. the message of Christianity, and this is what yeah, ends up and it's, scattering. It's demonic. Yeah, this yeah. is what scatters the church. Which mm-hmm. I'll draw this too that this is ultimately what led to the advancement of right. and the expansion <laughs> of the gospel yeah, was yeah. this kind of, this this incident that happened that was a yeah. tragic incident. So, so recognize, yeah. you know, Paul would later say, I want you to recognize this has all happened for the advancement of the gospel. That's right. You know, right. but, um, you know, so, so, so on one hand, let's don't miss the message of like, whatever is happening in your life that the enemy mm. is coming against you, that God is masterful at taking what the enemy means for evil and turning it into good for you Amen. and for the world yes. and the advancement of the that's gospel. Right. And so that's what we're all that's about right. here. And that's recognize right. that in the midst of this dire circumstance, that's when the enemy is going to send his, his minions, yeah. his forces, his demons to try yeah. to oppress and yeah. suppress the gospel yeah. message. So, 
There is something at work and there's something at work in your life. You're listening to this right now. I'm hoping that you're starting to to attach those things and, mm. and go, oh, that's why the, these thoughts have been creeping into my mind. That's why yeah. you know, the enemy can't, he can't um, read your mind. Right. Because he's not all knowing. He's not all omnipotent yeah. like God is. Yeah. But he can right. plant things. Mm. And he's not very creative with his strategy. Yeah. He usually plants the same three temptations. Isn't it true? Uh, across the board. And scripture says this yeah. all across scripture, right? We see it with the temptation of in the garden. We see it with the temptation mm-hmm. of Jesus in the wilderness. And we see it mm-hmm. then later in the epistles as it talks about the the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, that you know. Yeah. So there's yep. three things that that's his strategy, right? But he wants mm-hmm. to he he is also observational in watching your life and sending people to watch your life to see the things that are tripping you up, and once yep. they find that tripwire, yeah, they're gonna keep yep. using that until you, as Aubrey said earlier, till you really recognize the truth of God's word, and you and you prove that you're able to combat that, resist the devil, yeah. and he will flee from you combat the enemy with the truth of God's word of, no, this is what it means to be a child of God. This is who I am in Christ. And Mm -hmm. so therefore the accuser's words cannot penetrate this armor of God that is now on me because of the whole, because of the cross and the empty tomb. So that is- um, You know what's wild to me about this? And we could talk about this forever, obviously, but I think there, like so much of what I think we long for, we see this in pop culture right now too, is like a life of adventure and to be a part of a battle of good and evil. And like, we want to be the hero and we want to see justice. And like, we are invited into that story with the power and the armor of God. You know? And so I think though this can feel scary and weird, I think see it as like, no, 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 no. We get to partner with God to fight against evil for a kingdom that is greater than ours. And our weapon is like the armor that we wear is God's armor. And so there's no, like the enemy, his tactics cannot prosper against the armor of God that we're wearing. And I I think there's there's something, it can be scary. It can be. But there's also something like the adventure we're longing for is like literally it's right here. here. God's inviting that's us exactly in right. and we get to partner with yeah, him. You know? That's exactly right. And yet, you know, we tend to just settle for these mundane day Christian day, lives, day in life, and day out, living the life, life in yeah. suburbia yeah. and yeah. white picket fence and mm. 2.4 kids and yeah. punch the clock, go to work, come home, watch Netflix mm. and go to bed. Yeah. What if God has? What more if God has so much more for you? And pain yeah. tends to invite us into that adventure uh, all the more. Isn't that wild? So it's see that. Absolutely so this true. is an invitation yep. here into this mm-hmm. great adventure to partner with Him to take back not only your story, but to also enable this open up the doors for other people's stories to be taken back. Like yeah, you get to right. be a change agent in this mm-hmm. entire adventure. Like mm. that gets me excited. Yeah, I agree. Now I like the, the, call an Uber and it's a different kind of conversation. Totally. Now I'm sitting on an airplane Absolutely. and it's a different kind of, right? Like yeah. Yeah. you yeah. see your eyes are opened up to what's going on in the spiritual realm mm. here in this person's life. And how can I enter into that with them? Yeah. And uh, yeah. man, that gets well, fun. These are the things that get us excited, and we hope that they get you excited yeah. as well. And so we want to continue resourcing you, not just with conversations, although we have incredible conversations here each and every week at the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, but we have a lot more resources for you over at our community platform and our Community Plus platform. If you go to nothingiswasted.com slash community, 
um, just kind of mess around over there and yeah. see all of the things that we have as offerings for you in your pain to purpose journey and in your adventure with God. Aubrey, this is kind of new and like I'm releasing this probably a little <gasps> earlier than I should. Oh, I'm so excited. What's about to We're happen? We're developing an app. Oh, you're telling people, Davey. Well, I don't know. Okay, it's out there. I mean, tomorrow at the time of this recording, I have a phone call with the app developer to tell me the entire cost breakdown. So, so if anybody's listening to this, this, all right, speaking of a spiritual adventure, here we go. If anybody's listening to this and you're like, you know what? I love what Nothing Is Wasted does. Mm-hmm. I want to help to underwrite the development of this app so we can get hope and healing into the fingertips of every single person that mm-hmm. goes through the course at local church level or whatever. We would love for you to contact us because it's going to take yeah. a lot of dollars. Yeah. How can they contact you? How can they contact us, Davey? By the way, this wasn't planned. No, it wasn't at all. all. I'm just off the the cuff right right now now. because Uh, I'm so excited about this. But uh, hello at nothingiswasted.com. You can contact me. You say, hey, I'd love to know more about this app and how I could help to partner with you guys financially to make this thing happen. So uh, I'm on like- I love it. I love it. I'm on fundraising campaigns. I'm traveling. Like I've got a few different things where I'm traveling to go and raise money for this app so that you guys can have Mm. a- seamless, beautiful user experience that you can share with your friends who are going through difficult time. I am so, so excited I'm, to I'm see I'm pumped that about it too. Um, yeah, anyways, sorry, awesome. that's just in real time. We didn't No, I love that. it. Hello at nothingiswasted.com. <laughs> also go to our website, nothingiswasted.com slash community. We want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can stream download, listen to his music wherever it is you do that with your music. We also love connecting with you on social media. We're on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, at Davy Blackburn, and at Obsamp. We also love to invite you to go to our uh, YouTube podcast right. channel. Be sure to review, like, and subscribe to that as well. So you can not just listen, but you can watch us. Our subscribers are growing considerably over there. It's amazing. That's so fun. I kind of always forget we're on camera. So, you know, mom's got to work on that a little bit. Okay. But Davey, next week is a killer guest. Uh, Next week, we have a conversation with Preston Perry. We've had Jackie Hill Perry on the podcast. That was incredible. And then I went to be on their podcast, 30 Minutes with the Perrys. That was an awesome conversation. I bet it was. And I didn't know what they, they didn't know what they were getting themselves into because they invited <laughs> a long-winded preacher on 30 minutes with the Perrys and we had to talk about <laughs> everything in 30 minutes. That was tough. That was an exercise, a muscle I was not used to exercising. Wow. You're like, I don't do I'm this. Like, hold short on. Form we're long form podcast over here. What? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and so I learned a little bit more of Preston's story and I, I said, man, we've got to have Preston on. So mm. uh, we, we decided to do that. And this is a great conversation. Preston shares some of his story of uh, childhood trauma and what kind of has mm. uh, gotten him into the ministry of what he's doing right now to help other people. So it's really incredible. Wow. Take a listen to this little clip from my conversation with Preston Perry. What's, what's crazy is uh, when I was 16 years old, it's the first time I, I felt like the gospel impacted me. Um, I was um, chasing a girl who I liked um, and her, her family uh, ran a house church in my neighborhood, you know, right in, right in the apartment. I uh, ran a house church and um, I went to church, you know, to, to be around her. I was like, I'm going to go, go to the house church. It's weird going to the house in somebody's living room and I'm going to go uh, just to hang out with her afterwards. Yeah. And um, that was the first time I heard that God had beef with the way I lived. Mm-hmm. Like before I heard, I, like, I went to church like on, 
Easter because I didn't grow up in the church. And so I went to church on Easter, Christmas, stuff like that, right? And then my mom would periodically take me, you know, at times, but I didn't grow up in the church. And so uh, I would hear like, you know, messages about God. My grandmother would tell me about the Lord and stuff like that. But that was the first time I feel like I, I felt like I heard or the first time I just paid attention to it, that God like had a problem with the way I live, like my, and, and that my, the way I live deserved death. I was like, wow, okay, I know God is good, but he's angry at me. He's angry with me. And so, um, yeah, I just, I was like, wow, I was just shaken up by that. And um, after that day was, was the reality, like it, it shaped a reality for me. And the reality was that God is not pleased with everything that I do. And so even though I didn't give my life to Jesus at that moment, I felt like the Lord was saying, Preston, I'm not pleased with your lifestyle. And so every sin that I would commit after that, I was conscious of it. Mm. So I believe, I tell people all the time I got saved when I was, you know, um, when I was 19, but I believe the Lord started pursuing me heavy at 16. And so when I was nine, when I was 18, about to turn 19, a friend of mine uh, was shot, was shot and killed. And my mom and my sister was trying to revive them. And at times, because I was so God conscious these last couple of years, my friends would come and ask me questions about God, even though I didn't, I don't think I knew them. <laughs> they would ask me, Preston, man, um, do you think God would do this? You know what I'm saying? Are we smoking weed and doing crazy stuff, right? And I, I, would act, I would ask those questions or whatever. And so when my friend was, was on the floor fighting for his life, one of my friends named Slim asked me to pray for him. And when he asked me to pray for him, I felt in my heart. I think I was. I think that that question uh, or that or that um, command to pray for him was like it, it made me like look at the reality of my own heart because I felt like if I prayed for him, God would hear my prayers. I was like, mm. I, I can't pray for this dude. My lifestyle is so jacked up. God is not going to hear my prayers. And I was like, wow. And when my, my mom was trying to revive my mom and my sister, um, I felt like the Lord was saying, this is you and your sin. You're dead True. in your sin. And I was like, wow. My aunt, who was a minister, was trying to get me to come and live with her. Um, and she had been telling me, you can come live with me. You can come live with me. You don't have to. I'll help you get into vocational school. Yada, yada, yada. And... Um, and so I just took up on an offer after that. I was like, I don't know what, I don't know what I have to do to become a Christian, but I just, I, I know I need to be around Christians. I, I think God is calling me. I think God is pursuing me. I don't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know the sense of prayer. <laughs> I just was like, I, I feel like God is calling me. And so I went to go live with my aunt, who was a minister, and uh, every day I would wake up with like oil on my head. <laughs> 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 and she's like one of those old school ministers. She was a single woman. She has no kids. And I would wake up with oil in my head or whatever. And so and I, I was so confused why I never had the, I, I never knew people pray with people yeah. with oil or whatever. And so one morning I woke up at four o'clock in the morning. She woke me up and I see her over me just praying. Like, Lord, watch him. Save his soul. Save his soul. And I was crazy. I woke up to somebody asking the Lord to save my soul and like, like begging God on my behalf, um, it w w which was crazy. So I felt like the Lord was calling me, calling me, leading me. Uh, from there, she introduced me to a guy named Gary. Gary, I knew of Gary growing up, but I didn't really know him well. He was a couple years, like three, three years older than me. 
who was a gang member, who was a drug dealer, who did a lot of crazy stuff growing up. And so she was like, I want to, you know, connect you to this guy named Gary Brown. I'm like, Gary Brown from around the way? She was like, yeah. She was like, he different now. And I was like, he different now. Like, I know he around my age. Like, how different is he? And so the day he came over my house or whatever um, to pick me up, drove up in a Mustang. He had Jordan's baggy jeans, a hoodie on, and looking like a street cat. But when we got in the car, I immediately knew he was different. He told me how God radically changed his life. He was going to Moody College at the time. He was doing seminary. And um, he was just different. He would break out in songs, you know, singing about Jesus, riding through the city. And I'm like, no, this dude is this different. Um, long story short, he began to disciple me. And he began to teach me how to read the Bible. He began to teach me how to study the scriptures. He began to teach me, you know, uh, about the Lord, you know, but also he just allowed me to follow him. Like the disciples followed Jesus everywhere Gary went, I went. I mean, he took me to New York. He, I mean, we go play basketball. That's how I became a street evangelist. I mean, he was an evangelist. He would go to some of the worst neighborhoods in Chicago to play basketball just so he can get a gospel to the cats afterwards. So that's how I became a street evangelist initially, wow. is following him. Um, one day, uh, something happened. Uh, we drove up to the bank. Um, rewind a little bit. Uh, after a while, I started to convince myself that I was a Christian because I did everything that Gary did. Mm. And it wasn't until one day I, we went to the bank to get some money out before we went to go play basketball. And Gary um, uh, went up to the window and a girl flirted with him at the window. And when when she flirted with him, he started to kind of, you know, you know, flirt back a little bit. But then he automatically got quiet after a while and then just just drove off, you know, after mm. she came back his thing. And I was like, that was weird. That was a very weird exchange. And then he was, he was driving, he was quiet. And then he said, Preston, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell you something, bro. And I was like, what? He's like, I gotta apologize to you, bro. I'm like, why are you gonna apologize to me? He was like, man, that girl was flirting with me, flirting with me back there. And I, and I flirted with her back. And I feel so convicted right now. Mm. My heart is so wicked. My heart is so wicked. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He was like, bro, and he started to explain to me about what sin is, about sinning in your heart, about lust. And I was like, wow. At that moment, it was like God spoke to me and said, Preston, this is what it means to love Jesus. And you don't love him like Gary. Gary loves wow. me. You don't, you don't love me like Gary loves me. And I felt the weight of that that day. Like it was like God showed me through the life of Gary that I am a sinner and I don't love Jesus. God just used something that small to show me that I don't love Jesus. I went home that day and I just, I, my prayer was, God, I want to love you like Gary loves you. That was my prayer. And I was like, Lord, forgive me for my sin. I don't know this in this prayer. In my mind back then, I thought I had to say like a particular prayer. Right, <laughs> I right. said, Lord, I don't know this in this prayer. I want to love you like Gary loves you. Forgive me for my sin. And that day I just felt new. And God saved me right there in my room.